0: Hey everybody, it's officially draft season and we here at Upside Swings couldn't do what we do without Global Shop Solutions ERP software. Simplify your manufacturing by scheduling a demo at globalshopsolutions.com. Thanks again for listening. All right how's it going everybody uh welcome back to the Upside Swings podcast I am not your host Bryce Hendricks but I am Stone Hanson joined by uh the great for the second time in the series uh Corbin Ford to talk about the LA Clippers um Corbin obviously uh loves the the Lakers more as the LA team but uh Corbin does great work around the league uh covering multiple teams so I figured it makes sense to just bring him back for the Lakers as well or for the Clippers, excuse me, and um, he's back here today to discuss them. So how's it going, Corbin?
1: You know, it is going good, Stone. Happy to be here, like you said, just talking NBA basketball. You know, obviously, <laughs> we cover the Superior team first. Um, there we go. It's my only dig of the night. But um, with that being said, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to talk about a team that, honestly, you know, it, it feels like it's pretty straightforward moving, moving here this offseason.
0: Yeah, for sure. So, uh, obviously, Corbin is the... Um, host of the Roundball Ramble podcast. Uh you can find his work also at the Swish Theory, uh, which is a great collective of of draft stuff. Um and uh he uh had I mean I love ramble Rumble. Like I I don't listen to a lot of podcasts, but I do listen um to Corbin's because him and like Chucking Darts are like my two favorites that are always in my my feeds. Um so if you haven't listened already always check him out. Um Corbin, what, uh, we'll just get right into it here. What did you think of the Clippers last season? How do you think their season played out from your perspective?
1: I mean, it it played out almost, I guess, as we've come to expect the Clippers to play out in this um, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George era, you know, like the two stars missed a lot of time. Um, Their role players had varying levels of success around them. You know, you you forget that the John Wall experiment was something that happened, right, at the same time um, that didn't work out. And then they traded for the second time in, in the NBA where John Wall was subbed out for Russell Westbrook, essentially. Um, and then it worked out. But you had guys like Terrence Mann trying to find their role, you know, in the midst of it. You had guys like Marcus Morris who regressed a little bit. He was coming off the bench for large stretches. Um, Norman Powell played solidly. You know, You had good play from, you know, Zubach, of course, and Nicholas Batum. But it, it was kind of an up-and-down season Um, where injuries affected them. They finished fifth and Western Conference at 44 and 38. Didn't look especially dominant, but you thought, hey, if they get healthy, like, again, this team has what it takes to win it all. That never happened. Um, they lost Paul George a few weeks before the playoff started, weren't able to get him back in time for the first round series against the Phoenix Suns. Then Kawhi went down after two games and the Clippers were dispatched in five. So just kind of a middle of the pack team. I mean, if you look at their rating across the board, 16th in offensive rating, 18th in defensive rating, 17th in net rating. Like if that doesn't define just coast in the middle, I, I don't know what to tell you, but like, it, it says something again where the depth of this team helped because your two stars, um, Paul George played 56 games and Kawhi Leonard played 50, you know, like that, 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 that missing those two guys, those two linchpins of your team, um, both by the way, and I thought this was funny, um, averaged 23.8 points per game, <laughs> but like when you have, you know, the depth that the Clippers have had, you know, between, Powell and, and they signed Eric Gordon you know midway through the year Terrence Mann Nick Batum Luke Kennard before they traded him like the depth sustained them a little bit but again this team was built around two players and when they're not available we see what happens so I feel like the Clippers were a team that we, we they were who we thought they were
0: <laughs> yeah for sure and that is funny that you say they they average the same amount of points because it's um uh, they seem to be like pretty in sync um one goes, one goes down, the next gets healthy and they just time everything perfectly. Uh, it, it's weird viewing them because they always feel like they have the talent to go all the way, right? It's, it's a matter of health a lot of times, but then you look at their roster and there's weaknesses that that appear from games. Um, what do you think this team lacks and needs to address this off season in terms of building out around their two superstars?
1: Um, prob- primarily, in my opinion, a guy who can kind of bridge the gap between when, like, play alongside Kawhi and PG and step up their game when those two are inevitably not available. I think we saw flash of that Russell Westbrook. He actually is kind of the quintessential player who fits into that type of stepping up better, more or less, when bigger players are out or undermatched team. Like that's just the type of team that suits Russ best. Right. But a player, and even if that's not Russ and obviously, you know, uh, tax implications are going to come into effect there, but like he'd been a surprising good fit for them. They need a player like that, in my opinion, because you didn't really see a lot of that when those two were out, you know, like, all right, who's your, your primary guys. You already know who those are when they don't play again, both of them combined to miss almost half the season. Right. They both play just a little over half the season. Who's next. If you go by scoring, which is hilarious, but just doing that is Norman Powell. And he's a good but not great, you know, shot creator, uh, kind of, in my opinion, a bench kind of offensive kind of guy, but he can play that role. Uh, but he had 17 points per game. After that, it doesn't look pretty, Stone. It's Russell Westbrook in his 21 games, then John Wall, Marcus Morris, Eric Gordon, all with 11 points per game. And then you go Reggie Jackson with 10, a Zubas with 10 bone Highland Terrence, man point being offensively. I think you want another guy who is able to come in and, and and help provide some of that on ball responsibility that can play alongside your two stars or play off of them because um the only saving grace for them was they had a pretty relative, a pretty slow pace, you know, which kind of hit the fact their offense wasn't super great.
0: Yeah. A hundred percent. There's, like you're saying uh, it's a lot of just like spread across scoring that from night to night, you don't know who that guy's going to be, um, which, which could be fine and work throughout at least the regular season. But I feel like once you get to the playoffs, you know, especially you you want to have that guy that you can rely on to be, um, you know, your third guy or, or your guy when Kawhi or, or PG are sitting, like you need that sort of player. Uh, I feel like Norman does an awesome job off the bench, like you're saying, but um he's not really the, that third guy on the totem pole when it comes to the Clippers in terms of like the, the long-term outlook and the star prioritization. Um, the other thing I would address too, I think is maybe a bit of rim protection. Like I think uh, Zubak is an awesome center, like a, a solid starting center or high-end backup, like somewhere in that range, but I think it's fairly obvious that his skill set, a part of it, isn't being like a primary rim protector. Like, that's just not really who he is. He's very good at, you know, maybe being more of a paint protector or someone that can play in scheme and team defenses. But I think like primary rim protection equity is something this team lacks. And addressing that in some way, shape, or form might be um, a good route for them to go as well. Uh, I agree. Yeah. Moving on to this team just zooming out a bit. Um, Obviously, they're like going into their new arena next year. They have, you know, all these expectations with this team headed into it. They've bombers, probably the richest owner in the league or one of and and invested a ton of money into this team. But do you think this is the team long-term that they stick with? Do you think that building around PG and Kawhi, how many years can they continue to try and make it with these two? And do you think that, maybe by the trade deadline or by next off season when they have player options that uh, this might be the end of this Clippers core.
1: I, I think this might be the end. I'm not going to lie. The injury bug just has been undefeated in Los Angeles. Um, I mean, relatively for both teams, funnily enough, but <laughs> primarily for the Clippers. I mean, funny stat here, a little piece of trivia for you. Um, neither Kawhi or Paul, well, Kawhi or PG have played more than 57 games in a season. So they've both been in LA. Like that's just not a thing that's happened. They're only getting older, right? Um, Paul George, I think, is going to be heading into his 33-34 season. Um, Kawhi heading into his age 32-33. Trying to look at that and make sure. Yeah, so Paul George will be 33 next season. Kawhi will be 32. Um, As they get older, I mean, they've literally been the last three seasons now. So through their prime, right? I don't expect that to improve, right? These are the type of injuries that seem to keep coming back. This type of long range kind of maintenance issues that have occurred. It's unfortunate. That is true. But it is a very real thing. You want to commit to those two in the salary that they will require as the numbers start to dip, as they start to miss more time. That doesn't seem like a solid fiscal decision, right? Or one, you know, with with production on the floor, right? And also, let's be real. Just like the Lakers over the last couple of years, the depth has been depleted, you know? Some of that's due to player regression. Some of us do to, you know, letting some guys go. Like, I'm not saying that Montrose Harrell, Pat Beverly, and Lou Williams would still be effective now. But, like, at bottom line, you know, the 35 games of Luke Kennard, um, Terrence Mann played solidly, but Reggie Jackson and, and John Wall, that wasn't great, you know? And so I don't think you can do that. I think this is your last year to see, okay, is this in the cards? Do we have a team that will actually – Compete. This team can compete. They've been able to compete every year since they were assembled in offseason 2020. We knew this, right? But will they actually do it? And if they're not able to do it, I don't think that you are able in good conscience to sign on and, and convince yourself that a championship is still in the question. It just doesn't seem possible to me.
0: Yeah, I, I would agree with that. And when you look at uh, like the new CBA implications, a lot of teams are going to be trying to move off of money. And when you just go down, Looking through who the Clippers are paying, um, I mean, they still have a lot of money committed in, headed into next season. They're in the tax still, and they have uh, Marcus Morris is owed seventeen million uh, this upcoming season. Um, Norman Powell's owed eighteen million. Covington has eleven million. Batum has eleven million. They obviously have this season to figure this things out before they go into that new CBA. But um, at the very least, like I think this core not only is it aging and some of these guys just might might retire uh, after this next season um, but also a lot of these guys are expiring and to re-sign them I don't think you know you want to invest continue investing money into the same core when they're aging out they have injuries and um, they haven't proven themselves to to be able to get to the finals even uh, within this past few years so I think at the very least you see a lot of the core um, rotation guys move on uh, moving forward. But I wanted to ask you um, who uh, sort of like piggybacking off of that, who do you think, you know, headed into this trade deadline, if they're committed at least to, you know, giving it this last season, a a final go with Kawhi and PG. um, Do you think there's anyone on this trade on this team that is tradable and, and that the Clippers would look to trade? Uh, there's probably a ton of names that you have, but um, who are some guys that you think could bring back some value for this team to help improve them, maybe at the deadline?
1: It's it's funny because I I obviously I would go and agree with you in terms of rim production improving that and Zubak probably you know having some value around the league you know he's not the perfect rim protector um but he's someone who plays well in the pick and roll solid rebounder you know good presence in the paint like that might help you but they seem pretty. Set on keeping him, um, and might just bring back Mason Plumlee um, and kind of go from there. So that's just kind of out of the equation. I think there's three contracts you're really looking at, um, that can reap you some type of value depending on the combination. Um, and you have Nicholas Batum and Robert Covington, um, both are going to earn what 11.7 million, um, and they're both expiring, right? Um, they have some value. I think, uh, Covington, you know, was in and out the rotation, um, for much of the year, actually just out of it for much of the year, and then um, Batum was in and out, but you still have guys that certain matchups can go out there still play effective defense long arm wings who can hit the three right like keep the ball moving just solid plug and play guys like those two definitely fit that and you have marcus morris and marcus morris maybe i would say he's probably higher in potential value than those two because he can be he's had good years with the clippers and that one year in new york where he was just hitting all the threes and kind of being a go-to offensive guy that's kind of changed he is getting older i definitely see that Something to further receive, but I think he's able to at least do something a little bit more, um, in terms of offensive creation, and even more importantly, he carries a bigger salary. He has 18 million he makes. Um, so if you were to combine those, you're not going to be able to trade all three. I don't think that that happens. Um, you need one of them, uh, especially since so the collective bargaining agreement is going to make it a little more difficult for you know the Clippers to retain some of their depth already. Um, but if you were to package Morris with the higher salary and one of those two other players then maybe you're able to do that. Maybe you have to attach a a draft asset, which is going to be hard. Clippers don't have a whole lot of that to attach. Um, But if you go with that and you look for the right person, who's not going to be the superstar, but can fit in, then that will be helpful. Maybe that's a, a upgrade in the point guard spot, because maybe you aren't able to bring back Russ, you know, with the way he played in the playoffs back on a, on a contract that would fit both him and the Clippers. Obviously Clippers love to have him in what they can afford, but that's really a hometown discount. And Russ, has played for at least one more bigger contract, maybe the full mid level. I'm not sure. Right. So that's something, right. Maybe they go after, I don't know, uh, Spencer Dinwiddie. Um, that's available. Uh, Terry Rozier. He's been around for a bit. Uh, Kyle Lowry had a good, uh, good couple minutes in the finals. Uh, Chris Paul is available um that's something that's there uh and the players that you know the Clippers could dangle are exactly the type of players the Suns wish they had in the playoffs last season right you know so that could work too and and mind you I mean I don't think the market is terribly robust for Paul anyway um he's looking like he's probably gonna be waived so that might be something that would appeal to both parties but those are the type of trades I'm looking at I'm actually gonna get like a you're not getting a start there you're not all those guys have issues um To a certain respect, Terry Rozier is the actual point guard. Kyle Lowry and Chris Paul definitely um, declined as they've aged. And Spencer Dimitri, I just feel, is an average to just below average guard. But all of them can bring somebody to the Clippers. And with the contracts that they have to dangle, like, that's probably their best bet.
0: Yeah. And, and like you were saying earlier, you don't even necessarily need like a star. You just need that third guy that can kind of bridge the gap and and play those minutes to, to give you somebody you can rely on from game in game out to be that sort of guy. Um, obviously, we're a, a draft show. So we're going to talk a little bit about pick 30 here. Um, is there anybody that stands out to you that Um, you know, if they were to keep this pick and maybe not include it in sort of like a package deal to to move on for different vets um, that you might be interested in here for the Clippers with pick 30?
1: I mean, obviously, I think if Chris Murray were to slip all the way down, that'd be great. You know, having a guy who comes in NBA ready, you know, good shot making, good off ball scoring, similar to his brother, and that was very solid for, you know, the Kings, then that'd be great. Other than that, I do have two other forwards that I've kind of focused on. One is more of a future type, player and one is more of a current plug-and-play player um the first the more current would be jaime hakes i think i said that right um like him you know appa- apparently during his workouts he's been really solid with shooting but he is kind of an undersized kind of power forward type player he has a cool post game nice mid-range game he's like the kind of guy you'd find at the uh at the y you know <laughs> you know with like that like i guess uh for normal human aspects like i uh, five ten you know kind of <laughs> guy but they they're able to play in the post play out and the good thing is that he improved this past year shooting from three and so now he fits a more conventional role you know you're not going to put out a, a six six guy to, to play in the post not not in this nba maybe 40 years ago but that's something you know that's available um another guy for the future that looks like he may slip that i'm intrigued by is Gigi jackson um the dude's footwork is great. His ability to create for himself, I like. Uh, the fact that he can shoot threes and, and, and knock down jumpers is really good. And I love his length and athleticism as well. Now, you know, he's kind of selfish. At least he feels that way on the court. He's definitely immature a little bit, at least the way he plays, but he's young. Like that's not a knock in terms of something growth can't fix, but it's something that's there. Um, he's not very efficient as a score, which is Those are the kind of guys I like. Create your own buckets, but don't look pretty all the time. Um, And he's one of those. And then the other side of the ball is an issue as well. He has the physical capabilities to play well on that end, but hasn't had the, I would say, the wherewithal yet to do so. So he's someone I would look at as well that I would like. Um, Again, more of these, like, forward wing types. Um, As far as a point guard, I mean, maybe Amari Bailey if you were to just say, Hey, we're not going to trade our guys. Um, maybe you are trade one of them uh, just to get out of some money. And we're not going after Paul or Larry or, you know, insert veteran point guard X, then maybe you go after a guy like Amari Bailey, who seems like just a pretty solid table setter. Like he has just enough shooting that you're like, okay, he can score, but I think we'll just get you in your offense and, and, and play smart. Maybe he's more like the, the Jones brothers role in my opinion.
0: Yeah. Um, I I like how you brought up two different things. Basically, the way the way you view it is, there, the way you can view it, I should say, is that some of the names you brought up are, guys that maybe are replacements for that make other guys more expendable, like at the trade deadline. Like if you're talking about a Covington, if you're talking about a Batum, you could bring in a Murray and in hope that you know maybe in that time frame that he's there before the deadline, he can suit himself into that sort of role to where now you feel comfortable moving on from those guys and and shifting towards a different priority. Um, Same thing with Hawkes, right? I think those guys make a lot of sense in that regard. But I also like the thought process of taking someone for the future that the, the Clippers haven't really taken in a long time somebody that's like, just that swing at a star type bet, right? Like somebody that they haven't had their picks in a long time either, but, um, a guy that can just be that sort of, you know, you're, you're swinging for the fences and you hope that they can really pan out in a big way and pay big dividends. Um, so I like that with Gigi Jackson, I'm not the biggest GG guy, but I like the thought process of, you know, how that could play out for the Clippers. So I like all those guys that you named, um, the only I'll throw out like two more names here. I would say Julian Strother an interesting one. Ooh, solid. Um, I yes. just think that he's a really solid shooter, um, and finisher. And I think that, uh, I don't know, he just screams like just an NBA guy to me. Like you just watch him, and, he, and to me, he's just like that's an NBA rotation player. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's not a lot of them in every draft, so to get that at pick thirty, I think would be pretty solid value. Um, the other guy out there out there, uh, that I think is interesting uh, would maybe be like a Marcus Sasser. Um, I think that he, uh, would be interesting as the shooter type and just enough of like, maybe a playmaker to be sort of the pseudo point guard role or backup guy. Um, and the the final guy out there out here who is probably, I mean, more likely to be like an undrafted free agent than a pick at 30, but you know, after you get picked Past pick twenty five, it's pretty much everything's open up for grabs. I'll put Mike Miles Jr. in here as someone that I think can maybe fill that um just enough of a point guard role uh, to to be that for the Clippers. um I mean, it's hard to rely on your rookie being, you know, super impactful from their their first season, but I think that Mike Miles is interesting in the way that he can, you know, stop and start and create so much rim pressure. Um, And and maybe you have PG and Kauai out there for like released valves and can make them more as shooters than um, than they've been able to be over the past couple seasons. So I I think those I think those would be the few names I'd throw out there. Um, Let's see. I mean, is there anything else you wanted to go over before we start wrapping up uh, with this team?
1: I mean, honestly, no, there's, there's really not a whole lot to, <laughs> to go into. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, they, they don't really have the flexibility to do something crazy. They're not going to. I mean, Kawhi and PG are going to stay, and that's pretty much it. If you move on to the three-minute level kind of salaries you talked about, well, that's expected. And the guys are going to get for those salaries are sort of expected. You know what I mean? Like, I, there's no big haul coming. You know, there's nothing crazy happening. And, I mean, they might get a good steal in the draft. That's definitely potential Um, at 30. But I feel like that's one of those things that we'll see – you know, we might like at the beginning, but then we'll see how it bears out in the future. If you look at a guy like a uh, Jimmy Butler, Desmond Bain, you know, uh, Josh Hart, like guys in that spot, you know, Kyle Anderson, like later in the first, like, it's not like you can't find an impact player, but it's one of those things we'll see down the line. So yeah, I mean, it's not a whole lot there. Honestly, you said it, they're just kind of boring. And I mean, yeah. you know, Lakers are where it's at. Anyway, Okay, I'm done. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, you're not wrong. Um <laughs> But I think, uh I mean, you know, maybe the biggest, thing to happen would be moving off of Kawhi and pg but that just doesn't seem like it's in the cards you know at least this offseason so um and there's not a lot of assets to really like significantly make a that big splash type move um for the clippers left over so that said you know we'll start wrapping up a bit what would be like your worst case scenario for this team over the offseason like if everything were to just go poorly
1: I mean, here's the thing. I mean, the worst case scenario is kind of their best case scenario too, which is just running it back with everyone and then just having the exact same results happen. You know, they say Insanity is doing the same thing and expecting something different. (laughs) But like, here's where we are. You know, like I almost want them to bring Russ back. I want them to bring Mason Plumlee back. Like those guys had good roles. Like they did Um, at the same time. Russ could regress. It will be 35 next season, right? Like athletically, the bottom could fall out. Not saying it will. I hope it does I'm a Russ fan, but it could, right? Um, if that happens, Mason Plumlee could also drop off. He's also 34, 35. Boom. Injuries, you know, to Kawhi and PG, less depth. You know, let's say you pick the wrong draft pick. Let's say you go more Gigi Jackson than Julian Strother, you know, if he was available. And then now you are in a spot where you're kind of stuck you know, at least for the remainder of the year. Championships hopes are out of it, and that, that just seems rough. Um, at the same time, like, yeah, that that's kind of the only option that seems open to them, really.
0: <laughs> yeah, it is weird. They're just, like, in a weird predicament. It's They, they are – it's sort of – we talked about recently, too, with the Milwaukee Bucks. It's basically kind of like there's not a whole lot of ways to improve, so you might as well just keep the same talented squad you have and, and keep trying with them uh you know in the hopes that it pans out because they're they still have like a championship caliber talents it's just i mean with the clippers specifically they haven't been able to stay healthy and i think that's been a big part of it um so i definitely see the case for you know just keep trying as much as you can and you have that team in place there's still some window of opportunity um as far as like your best case scenario playing out over the summer how would that look for you
1: mean the same thing (laughs) you know you run (laughs) it back um you 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 swing really well on your draft pick you know whichever that is that player is a perfect fit and it just works out for them right so you do that um you make a trade of let's say I don't know let's say you go with Marcus Morris and let's say Covington for Chris Paul and like Solly Flatsom or something boom and then Chris Paul gives you a healthy year, which, I mean, at age 38, going to 39, we'll see, right? But you get him, you have your, you know, bench guys step up after a a down year last year, and then Kawhi and PG play more than 64 games apiece. I think if you do that, you put yourself in the best position you've been in the last couple of years to actually go into the postseason and come out victorious. Um, But, like, it's so funny how it's the same path. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like... Yeah, very slight deviations but it's the exact same thing you just hope that okay in this universe our draft picks did you know come out way better than we expected and we had a great healthy year from all of our injury risk players for the first time in our entire time you know like that's what you're looking at but um yeah I'd say that's about it really
0: yeah for sure I mean I guess like you know if you were to be able to in like a dreamland scenario cp3 gets bought out and they they get them off for like the minimum you bring back um westbrook I, and you have like a solid point guard and backup point guard and then you that can um you know maybe use covington and morris and batum for uh, some sort of salary dump or something like that and, and get somebody i don't know like a no. Gordon Gordon Hayward or something like Ooh, that I right? like it something like healthy. that right? <laughs> yeah exactly just get a bunch of injury injury risks on your team and, and hope that you know all of them stay healthy at once but yeah I mean it, it's a lot of just really hard to to picture on how they significantly improve um I know this was a short one but like we've discussed there's just not a whole lot to talk about with this team um but it's always fun talking with you Corbin I appreciate you making time out of your busy day to to squeeze us in um if you want to go ahead and just plug yourself and tell people where they could find you uh and, and you know just let the people know where all your great work can be found
1: I appreciate you so first off for, for the Upset Swings crew y'all my guys like I love coming on and talking to y'all y'all some of my favorite content pieces out in the space there's so many great ones and y'all are just right up among the best so I appreciate y'all always, always. So just want to say that. Um, Secondly, I mean, if you can find me on Twitter at Corbin NBA, if you are so inclined, I finally got a computer again. Uh, I had (laughs) moved from Colorado and the computer did not safely make the trip. So it took some time. We got a new one. So I will be producing a lot more work. In fact, I just did almost a three hour draft show with my friend Gary Bruguay. Talking about our favorite fits and picks and all of that. So that'll be dropping soon. Um, and then I will also be doing some work with search theory um, while well, doing more work with search theory rather um, on the off season um, from a historical perspective, certain front offices, things that were done. And I will hopefully have you stone and others uh, from the outside swings crew back on because I'm doing a cool project uh, around the draft where I'm going to be doing the draft retrospectives from last 30 years it's gonna be crazy mm. we're going from 93 to 2023 wow. um just talking about them you know what historical kind of points can we pull from that looking forward in terms of analysis scouting back then what it is now and then of course my favorite little fun activity where we each draft you know a little version of our little seven-man rotation from that draft class which i think is a cool way to test the depth of it and also have some fun basketball conversations as well yeah
0: that sounds awesome that sounds like an awesome project. So make sure you guys check everything out that he was talking about. We'll have it all linked down below when we push, the, push this out um, and you can check everything there. Um, but for now, thanks for joining us. We appreciate you listening. Um, I can't do the, the outro as well as Bryce, but I'll try. Uh, we hope we hit our ceiling. Thanks for listening and we'll, we'll catch you next time. We'd once again like to thank the people at globalshopsolutions.com. Simplify your manufacturing and schedule a demo today at globalshopsolutions.com. Thanks again for sponsoring the podcast. Thanks again for listening. We hope we hit our ceiling. Thank you.